back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are joined by an eight-year NFL vet along the offensive line to break down Miami's two free agent additions to that group and this deep draft class, both at the tackle position and along the interior offensive line. We'll do that here on this Monday, April the 6th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we are less than three weeks away from the draft kicking off on April 23rd, Thursday, 8 o'clock in the East, 5 o'clock out in the West. And as we are now just 17 days away from the draft kicking off, I figured why don't we go ahead and talk to a bunch of experts on the podcast and break this thing down position by position and get a bunch of experts on these particular positions, whether it's guys that have played in the league, guys that have extensive knowledge of these particular positions and have done their work and their homework on this draft class. And so today's podcast, we're talking all things offensive line with former offensive linemen, both at the University of Miami and in the NFL, Rashad Butler. Let's go ahead and get to that interview. And joining the Drive Time podcast now is former Miami Hurricanes offensive tackle. He played eight years in the league with Carolina, Houston, and Cleveland, most recently a radio personality on 790 The Ticket in South Florida, and a good friend of mine as well. He is Rashad Butler. Rashad, what's up, Big Doug? What's going on, my man? Thank you uh, for having me on the Drive Time podcast. I feel like I made it now, man. Wow. Well, it's funny. It's funny for you to say that because we've done this several uh-huh. times before where you're the one asking me questions. So I'm excited to get into the weeds here on a position that to me, Rashad, this is the least understood position in all of football. And I say this with full disclosure for myself because it's true for me, because I think there's a lot of guesswork that goes into it when you don't know the assignments. But that's where an eight year NFL vet comes in to handle that type of conversation. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh I love breaking down offensive linemen. Uh, it's something that, like you said, I've been accustomed to doing because I played the position all my life. I mean, going back to Little League, the very first position I played was along the offensive line. I mean, I didn't have the choice of playing like defensive line or a linebacker or, you know, cornerback or hell, even quarterback. They was like, listen, <laughs> you are bigger than the rest of the kids. So you are going to be down here uh, in the trenches. But sometimes don't they want to give that kid the ball and make him the running back so that he can just run fools over? Well, you know, I think uh, a lot of the other kids were a lot faster than okay. me back then. So uh, I think it was a no-brainer that I think I was probably best suited uh, along the offensive line. Well, I think it worked out at the end for you, Rashad. Eight yeah. years in the league. We're going to talk about some football here. But first, I got to ask you, man, this is the the topic we always get into first here. How you doing with all this coronavirus stuff and being quarantined? You staying healthy? You staying safe? Uh, I am. Uh, I think the toughest part is just sticking to your normal routine throughout the day. Uh, I'm very routine because, you know, I played football my entire life, dating back to high school, then through college and in the NFL. And I'm very routine. But now, man, I mean, I think ever since I retired, I got myself on a routine and uh, I was able to do things throughout the day or I had things to do throughout the day. But with this quarantine, I'm finding myself finishing my daily routine a lot quicker or a lot earlier. And man, it's just really hard to 
I guess, you know, make up the time or try to find something to do to pass that time when you have just so much time on your hands. Yeah, staying active is the number one thing you have to do. And for someone that's worked for home for basically three or four years now, that's a challenge that I've been accustomed to for a few years. But this is a whole nother level. I mean, getting out to the gym was like my my favorite thing to do because it just, like you said, <laughs> it, it breaks up the day. But now I'm out in my backyard looking like a moron with my little hand or my dumbbells out there running around doing my own drills and stuff. So uh, it's it's something, man. We got to stay busy. That's gonna how we're going to get through this, I think. But I think we're on the right track. I hope we're on the right track. Let's talk some football, Rashad, and get okay. people hear what they want to hear on this podcast. First, before we do, I want to hear about your draft day experience. Third round draft pick of the Carolina Panthers, number 86 overall. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was a great experience just because uh, I was under the impression from uh, my agents that I was going to be a early fourth round pick. So somewhere in the fourth round, and back then the draft was two days, Saturday and Sunday, where Saturday was the first three rounds, and Sunday was uh, rounds four through uh, seven. So I was anticipating not hearing my name called at all on that first day. So, you know, I watched the draft the first day because, you know, a lot of those guys that went early I knew about or I played up against uh, uh, throughout that season. And I remember... I was actually, it was at night, and I was heading to get something to eat with my uh, my dad to Wendy's, and my phone starts to ring, and I see a 704 number, and I had no idea what the hell a 704 number was, <laughs> and it was the Carolina Panthers, and the guy on the phone, uh, I think he may have been a, uh, a scout or something, and he asked me, he was like, uh, do you want to be a Carolina Panther? And I'm like, hell yeah, like, let's get this party started. <laughs> And I just remember, you know, briefly talking to uh, Marty Herney, who was the GM at the time, uh, and then Coach Fox, who was the head coach at the time. And again, I was just in utter belief because I had my mind set along with my agents that uh, I was going to go early on Sunday. So I remember I was just anticipating getting something to eat from Wendy's and then going back and just, you know, get, uh, getting some sleep and then waking up early and getting ready for uh I guess getting ready to hear my name called on Sunday, but man, I mean, that was a, a very huge surprise, man. And I remember I was just ecstatic the rest of the night. I mean, honestly, I don't think I got any sleep that <laughs> night at all. Because again, it was just a utter surprise to me, a big surprise. That had to be the best tasting junior bacon cheeseburger you ever ate, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it, I cannot remember what I got from Wendy's <laughs> either, man, to this day. I can't. <laughs> you were too excited. Something else came up that was a little bit more important that day for you. So we understand that. But let's go ahead now and talk about the real reason you're here on this podcast, Rashad. Mm -hmm. Talk about some offensive line play. And coming into the offseason, we knew the Dolphins had to add some guys to that front line. And they have. They added quality starters and Eric Flowers and Ted Karras. Let's go ahead and start there first with what we currently have. You always teach me things about offensive line play, Rashad, whether it's on Twitter, through our text change, on these podcasts, whatever it is. I think it's the toughest to evaluate, like I mentioned. So now I ask you to do the same here with our audience on this Drive Time podcast. Give me your film notes on both Eric Flowers and Ted Karras, if you can. So with both players, I treated both players a little differently. Uh, I wanted to watch three games uh, in its entirety of both players, but I wanted to watch Eric Flowers first because I know Eric Flowers was new to the guarded position. This was the first year where he... Uh, was moved from outside uh, to inside. So 
with him, what I wanted to do was I wanted to see his progression throughout the season. So the very first game I watched was the week six game against the Miami Dolphins. And the second game I watched was the week 13 game against the Carolina Panthers. And the final game I watched of his was the week 17 game uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. And one thing that jumps out on film to me when you look at him is just, is just the sheer power at the point of attack. I mean, this guy, I mean, we all knew how big he was, but just how powerful he is, it's just you see it on film. And one thing about him, I mean, once he really gets his hands on you, nine times out of ten, he has the block one. And I think the best thing that has ever happened to him was moving from uh, tackle to guard. And, man, listen, guard fits him perfectly because he is just so powerful at the point of attack. And I just loved watching those three games because you saw him get better as the season progressed. And I think that's one thing that is so important with any player in the NFL is you want to see progression from game to game, especially in a young player and especially in a player that is playing the position for the very first time in the NFL. And that's one thing I saw with Eric Flowers, man, was just, again, he got better from, uh, from week to week. And he's just so powerful at the point of attack. And also, I think he does a really good job of moving his feet really well in a shorter area of space. Like, I think he excels the best to me uh, when it comes to pass protection, when a guy is either head up uh, a two alignment or slightly outside a three alignment. And listen, out of all those three games I watched, I rarely, rarely saw him get beat. And if he did get beat, he was able, well, he was able to recover so quick to where his uh, his his foot speed made up for it. Yeah, his production down the end of the this back half of the season was up there with the best guards in all of football. And you mentioned, you mentioned a couple of those games, that Panther tape. He, <laughs> that was a ridiculous tape. I watched that one too, and he was just blowing guys off the ball. There was a rep where he had Gerald McCoy, and he chipped him, and he got McCoy turned around, and that made it a very easy block for the left tackle on a combination block. Then he climbs up to the linebackers and completely wipes out Luke Keekley. So we're not talking about just run-of-the-mill guys here. We're talking about multi-time pro bowlers and all pro that he's wiping mm-hmm. out pretty easily. He had a very good game in that Cowboys game, like you mentioned as well, late in the season there too. Let's go ahead and talk about Ted Karras a little bit here. He can play some center. He can play some guard. Kind of the theme here of the Dolphins offensive line, really the roster in general, versatility. What did you see from Ted Karras on tape? So the way I treated Ted Karras was I wanted to see his versatility, meaning uh, the type of players he went up against. So the first game I chose to watch was the week nine matchup against the Ravens, because I know the Ravens, they're always very stout and they have very, very big guys that their only job is to clog up the middle. So I, I wanted to see how he fared against those guys. And boy, he did very, very well. And the thing that jumped out to me on film, you know, in watching the three games was how exact his but his 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 footwork was excuse me and his technique i mean he i want to say for the most part he always took perfect steps in the running game and even in the passing game i i very rarely ever saw him get overextended you know run blocking or pass blocking because he was so exact with his steps and he actually you know he played with a nice base and he just never got over his heels i know the one thing you may hear offensive line coaches always harp on offensive linemen about is 
bending at the knees yeah. rather than the waist because when you bend at the waist, you kind of get over your heels and you happen to uh, you, you happen to be on the ground a lot. But when you see a lot of guys on the ground, it's because they're not playing with enough knee bend. But Ted Karras, I mean, in that game, to go up against the monsters that he went up against, I did not see him get pushed back off the ball at all. He was either stalemating guys, which is, hey, to me, that's a win against you know that type of defense, especially in the middle. Or he was moving guys off the ball. And then the third, sorry, the second game I watched was the game against the Eagles. And that was week 11. Because I wanted to see him go up against a guy in Fletcher Cox that is big and that's quick. And I'm going to say this. You know, Fletcher Cox, I mean, he is the second highest paid interior defensive lineman for a reason behind Aaron Donald. And Ted Karras, I mean, there were plays where he got beat. But I'm going to say this. He held his own against Fletcher Cox. I mean, there were some plays where he was just standing Fletcher Cox up and he was just actually driving him off the ball. So I was very pleased to see that. And then the last game I saw was the game against the Dolphins because one thing I know about a Brian Flores defense is, you know, he's going to have guys that are going to play big and strong and stout at the point of attack. And I want to see him go up against a guy, Devon Gotchow, who I have a lot of respect for. And again, Ted Karras held his own against Devon Gotchow and did very well against uh, Christian Wilkins. So to me, when looking at Ted Karras, it's just the feet work and just the ability to bend his knees and just play with good technique. Like very rarely have I seen a center that just plays with good technique and just plays so stout at the point of attack. There's a great mic'd up session with Fletcher Cox in that Dolphins game. I know it's not the same player we're talking about here where he told he tells Michael Dieter after he wins a play or wins a rep, and Dieter says, how'd you know we were around that play? And Fletcher Cox says, there's a reason they're paying me $20 million bucks, young pup. So basically, <laughs> I remember that. So, yeah, so you can get a, a sense of how Ted Karras can handle some of the game's best on the interior offensive line. And while the Dolphins made plenty of strides in free agency, they got 14 draft picks to work with Rashad and a really good mm-hmm. offensive line class coming in. And I want to go ahead and get your take here first let's go ahead and start with the tackle class and according to most draft sites there are four guys that are basically in the top tier on their own Alabama's Jedrick Wills Iowa's Tristan Wirfs Louisville's Makai Becton and Georgia's Andrew Thomas that's not in any specific order but I want to get your take on those guys like what is something that each of those guys does that you like Rashad so I'm going to start off with the number one guy on my board and that is Jedrick Wills uh the reason I have him number one because he just does everything consistently well, you know, and I think when you're playing offensive line, uh, whether you're playing center, guard, or tackle, the reason why you have guys like um, Zach Martin or guys like Andrew Whitworth that have been doing it at a high level for so long or Alex Mack at center uh, at their position is because they do things consistently well. And when I look at Je- uh, Jedrick Wills, it's hard to find him ever getting beat on uh, on film, and it and it's hard it's hard to find him ever taking just the wrong steps, the wrong angles at guys. So that's why I have him number one. And then I would say number two, I know a lot of people are going to go with Tristan Wirfs, but to me, I got to go with Makai Beckett just because he's crazy. I mean, I don't think I've seen a guy that big and that strong that is so athletic and so light on his feet. And the, and the scary part about it is that kid is only scratching the surface. I, I watched that Florida State game. And, I mean, what he was doing to those edge rushers from Florida State was not even funny. Like, me watching film, I felt bad for those guys because I'm thinking, like, man, 
that must suck to kind of put those type <laughs> of reps on film. I mean, to get abused the way that we're getting abused. I mean, the sky is just the limit for him. And with Tristan Wirfs, I mean, I think the school itself, you know, says enough. I mean, Iowa has produced so many great guys over the years, man, where, you know, if you're drafting an offensive lineman from Iowa, there's about a good 75% chance that guy is going to hit at the next level. And when I look at Tristan Wirfs, I mean, the, the one thing that just jumps out to me is just his athleticism. And I mean, and again, he showed it off at the combine. I mean, to put up the numbers he put up and to be, you know, that big, I mean, that was impressive. I mean, he was close to putting up tight end numbers, man. And we're talking about a guy that weighs, what, 30, 35, 40, uh, 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 40 more pounds more than the average tight end that was at the combine. It's crazy. It is, man. It really is. And then Andrew Thomas, to me, uh, he's a guy that is a big physical guy. I think a guy that is still a little raw as far as in his technique, uh, in specific pass protection, because I think he needs to play with like a little bit more knee bend. But I mean, one thing that I like about him is he's a mauler, man. I mean, he is out there to try to embarrass guys and he has no problem with the contact and the constant contact play after play after play. I mean, he's a guy, I feel like he's a perfect uh, run block tackle. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love all four. It's fun to watch all those guys on tape for the reasons you mentioned. And I think the reason that all four of those guys really kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack is because, like you said, they all kind of offer that same combination of athletic ability and just pure power. And some of them maybe more than others, but you can watch any of those four guys as tape and watch them blow guys off the ball or get into good pass sets quickly and win that way. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I imagine those four guys go off the board pretty quickly and not in any specific order here again, Rashad, but I want to get your perception here of the quote unquote next tier of guys. And I hate grouping it that way because I, I think that there's a good chance a lot of these guys could be good starters at the next level too. And you never know how that stacks up in the draft. But let's go ahead and just go off, for instance, the draft network's big board. Those top four guys are all in the top 18 on their overall big board. Then they've got Lucas Nyong from TCU at 39. Uh, Josh Jones from Houston at 48, Prince Tega Wanagu, 64 from Auburn, and then Austin Jackson from USC at 68. So a good clump of guys there. Again, another tier of players. Can you tell us which of those guys you might like? Who caught your eye on film? I know you've been grinding that tape. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the three guys I like, and just I'll say this because I don't want to get off uh, as far as grouping these guys as far as where they fit the best. Lucas, uh, Lucas Nyon, I think he's another guy that, like, let's just say if Mekhi Beckton's gone early, which I think a lot, of, a, a lot of people expect, and if Andrew Thomas has gone early as well, too, I think that's the guy that the Dolphins should consider because when you look at his tape, you know, compared to the second-tier guys, as far as Austin Jackson, Josh Jones, he's another model. I mean, I think the only reason he's not – Mentioned, you know, in that first tier is because I think he's uh, he's had some red flags as far as like that hip injury and things of that nature. But he's another guy that he loves to be physical and he loves to actually play smash mouth football. Uh, Austin Jackson and Josh Jones, I like them, too. I think their biggest attribute or trait is uh, athleticism. I mean, with Josh Jones and Austin Jackson, you see uh, those two guys can really get out and move well in space. And a lot, and, and and both of them are very long arm guys too. 
I'm glad you mentioned Lucas Nyong in that group there because he really stands out for me for a variety of reasons. He did miss the back half of the season with an injury, and he was really fighting and toughing that thing out and playing through pain throughout the season. And you watch his pass sets, and he talked about this. He he came he was very transparent about this fact that he wasn't really able to open those hips like he normally can. And you know this, Rashad, the explosive nature of playing that position. You have to really be able to pop and unlock those hips in order to get depth and to get vertical. And he really couldn't get width because he couldn't open up the way he normally would. And he had to take these like drop steps going straight backwards just to get himself to his landmark to make his initial block. And even though it might have looked unconventional at times... But he made it work, and that's what was beautiful about his tape was he was still productive with that kind of unnatural pass set that he had to work with. So that was fun to watch. Let's go ahead now, Rashad, and move inside because we know that the take on the Dolphins' entire roster is playing multiple positions. But first, before we talk about the individuals, we've talked on this podcast a lot about versatility and some of the guys that have position flexibility on this offensive line. Ted Karras was a guard in college. He's played guard and center in the NFL. Eric Flowers played a lot of tackle and most recently guard like you mentioned. Jesse Davis has played four of the five positions in his career along the offensive line. How tough is it for guys to learn how to play multiple spots, whether it's a center playing guard or whether it's a tackle that kicks inside to guard? How tough is that? Uh, I think when guys are introduced uh, to that early in their career, uh, I know I was as far as flip-flopping from right to left tackle. Uh, I think it's hard at first, but it suits players better if they're able to learn that within the first you know, year or two. I think the longer you play, like once you get up into year three or year four and year five, I think it becomes harder. But again, if guys are taught that early, and I think a lot of offensive line coaches and a lot of teams are doing a great job of making their guys interchangeable because playing, I mean, to be honest with you, I think they have to because, I mean, most teams typically dress anywhere from seven yep. to eight offensive linemen a game. I mean, I know when I played for the Texans, we usually uh, dressed seven. So we had the five starters and we had uh, two guys that were backups. And we and we had a guy that was, uh, was a guy that can play both guards in the center and we had the swing tackle. And I just think it makes a lot of sense to really cross-train guys like that because the NFL now is just – I mean, we're actually going to expand to another game in, what, 2021? Yep. I mean, hey, I mean, 16 games is brutal as it is. And now you're asking guys to play another game on top of that? I mean, listen, listen, I'm, I'm happy they expanded the roster. So hopefully, I mean, we'll see uh, more positions dressed, uh, dressed guys throughout uh, the week. But again, I, I mean, listen, I, I think it's smart for teams to really – uh, protect their backside by having guys that are in, uh, I mean, that are interchangeable. Yeah, you've got Flowers who can play tackle in a pinch. Karras can play multiple spots. And a top-rated center in this class from the Draft Network is Michigan Cesar Ruiz. And he's rated number 38 overall, but he, he started off in college playing guard out of necessity as a true freshman. Then he kicks back to his original position at center. And I heard him on the Draft Dudes podcast with Jordan Reed, a great source for all things draft and all things football. He was talking to Cesar about kind of 
the responsibility of playing the center position and how you take a lot of pride in that because you're the one kind of calling the shots. You're kind of an extension of the quarterback in terms of what he sees from the protection. And a lot of times when there's a young quarterback back there, that center can be the one setting those protections. So he has a lot on his plate. Is he your top interior offensive line? And just kind of walk us through that class the way you see it at guard and center in this year's draft class. Cesar Ruiz, I mean, one thing I like about his film is it's much like Ted Karras. I mean, he takes really good steps, uh, both in the run game and in the passing game. And quite frankly, I enjoy watching Michigan football just for their offensive line because yeah. I think their offensive line coach does a good job year in and year out as far as really getting them to play first and foremost as a unit. And really, I mean, you see a lot of guys uh, along their offensive line. They always come into the NFL understanding the proper technique of, you know, their positions. And with Cesar Ruiz, I mean, I just think, to me, his technique and his footwork really jumps out, along with, you know, his strength as well, too, because, I mean, he gets after guys on film. So I love that. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry is another guy I love, too, just because with him, you see the athleticism. And again, I mean, I think anytime uh, you have a guy like Joe Burrow who has given him a lot of praise, I mean, hey, I mean, that has to speak for himself because Joe Burrow, I mean, had arguably, uh, arguably probably the best college football season we've ever seen in God knows when, you know what I mean? So uh, I think his tape, again, to me, is just his athleticism. And much like Cesar Ruiz is, he would be the guys. Again, I give Caesar uh, the bump over him because I think Caesar plays with better technique on a consistent basis than Lloyd Cushenberry does. But at the same time, I mean, it's not a it's it's not a huge gap between those two. And every time I hear you know these conversations, Rashad, what I always hearken back to is just how many options and how flexible the Dolphins can be. You know, getting guys on the offensive line or really across the entire roster because they have all these premium draft picks and they have so many guys. And now, especially after free agency, the way they've kind of plugged up a lot of those holes. They can pretty much go in any direction they want, and that flexibility can really allow them to control this draft. So looking forward to that. Great stuff, Rashad. We appreciate your time breaking down the offensive line. He is Rashad Butler. You can find him on Twitter, at Rashad Jamal B. Rashad, thank you so much for doing this, man. And let's go catch another Heat game when this is all over. <laughs> and, and listen, man, one thing, too, congratulations on the new gig, man. Listen, it is well-deserved. Uh, my, uh, my radio mate, over at 790 a year ago, put me on to you, Locked on Dolphins, uh, Zach Duarte. He was like, listen, uh, there's this guy that really breaks down the Miami Dolphins in and out and give him a listen. And I remember I gave you a listen for the first time and I've been hooked, man. So listen, uh, well-deserved on the new gig. I'm happy that you have a chance to actually live out uh, your lifelong dream. And also to let you know, Locked on Dolphins is in good hands because, uh, your guy Cal Krabs is 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 actually filling the void quite well, man. So locked on Dolphins. Listen, you set the bar high, and you know Cal is doing a good job uh, uh, replacing you, man. I said he was the only guy that I I wanted to replace my <laughs> spot there because I thought he would carry the torch perfectly, and I'm glad he to is, hear that man. he has done just that. And again, Rashad, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. We'll get to meet up here soon, man. As, as soon as I can get down to South Florida, I I can't wait, man. So. Appreciate your time. We'll look forward to getting a drink with you one of these days and catching a heat game or even going to a Hurricanes game, hopefully, with you, man. I bet you, you and Monroe, sure, man. You and Monroe do that the right way, I'm sure. <laughs> we do. We do, man. All right, brother. Have a good night. Now, thank you again. You too, man. Thank you. 
And there he goes, Rashad Butler. Always a pleasure to talk offensive line, play with him. You'll see him chime in on my Twitter, my tweets, I guess, in my mentions. And he always has something great to talk about, something great he can teach the casual football fan about offensive line play. A great mind, a great scout, so to speak, here on the airwaves. So we appreciate Rashad's time. We're going to get to plenty more of these position breakdowns here on the podcast, up on the MiamiDolphins.com website, and plenty of other social media avenues and the like for you guys here, Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. But as for today's show, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a five-star review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.